Welcome to Brand Me. I'm Preston Conrad, and this is the podcast about doing your own thing, whether it's building a personal brand, maximizing your side hustle, or making the most of your every day. The more you work hard and you're open-minded to things, I really think you're going to find naturally what is you're supposed to do. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited for today's episode. It's kind of a special one. I am sitting down with Megan Paterno. She is a Broadway star and actress, most recently the lead in Phantom of the Opera, where I first met her in the DMs. Um, And it is such a great episode because Megan, as a Broadway star, performer, and actress, really knows a lot about following your gut, risking it all, and now moving on to the next phase in her life as well as not settling, right, for anything less than what you deserve. So I think you'll love this episode. She, by the way, is a bubbly treat. You're going to love this. Uh, coming right up is Megan Paterno. Megan, I am fangirling. It is a treat to see you on my screen. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Um, I'm and people good. don't know, but like I said the same thing. I was all, it's a mutual <laughs> fangirl moment right now. So It's so funny what the internet has done to n- normal people. Uh, I consider myself normal, but I just felt authorized <laughs> to slide into your DMs after seeing you in Phantom of the Opera on your closing night like I knew you. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to just slide in and tell her how amazing of a job she did. And you responded, which is amazing. And then I came to find out that we have a mutual friend. So I really felt authorized to ask you to be on this podcast. Which I am so happy that you did because I felt immediately the same way. So it's, it's oh, again, good. completely mutual. <laughs> it's funny. I ran into Robin Herter, and I say that like I know her, um, on Ninth <laughs> Avenue, again, unauthorized. And I was like, hey... Uh, she's like, hi. <laughs> she's like walking to the theater. I'm like, I have to lay off these poor Broadway performers and stop assaulting them with my adoration. But um, we're going to get into this. And where I saw you and was so taken by you was, I think, on your last performance as Christine Daae in Phantom of the Opera, which is a whole nother thing I need to unpack in a minute. <laughs> but for those of you that don't know you, how did you make it to Broadway? I mean, are you, are you, was it bright lights or bust forever for you? Or were you like, I'm really going to be an accountant. I just happened to be able to sing well. (laughs) Like Um, what was in the cards? It was more the, the latter actually. So Broadway. Okay. And I know how this is going to sound, but to be really honest, Broadway wasn't really on my radar. Um, I'm originally from the opera world, but it kind of was one of those things where it's just, it's, it's a twist of fate, like open mind, open right. heart, twist of fate. Um, so performing, but performing even wasn't always what I was going to do. But you know what? That's a long story for this this short interview, but we'll keep it. I'll try to keep it in the in the right plane. But basically, <laughs> but you were a performer like at heart since you were a little, I would imagine, like with a voice like no, that, you must have always no. had it in your bones. Oh, really? <laughs> no. no. Um, so, well, oh my but my weird, quirky personality has always been there. Like, I'm sure my parents probably thought I was either going to like be something important or a serial killer. Like I would go up to people and invite them over for lunch and like, you know, like very like Obsessed. strange, yeah, strange, strange little, little child that would be, you know, like I memorized all the bones in the body and I would go to people and be like, pick a bone, any bone. I'll tell you what it is, scientific or not. Like, yes. so I've always been yes. like my own little bird Um, and very, you know, like I played classical piano and jazz piano very well, like very, very well. Yep. Looking back on it, I'm like, mom, dad what hello did you know what you had but of course then I got like too cool for school and I was like I don't want to do this anymore even though I was magnificent at it and then I for funsies uh sang 
my first musical actually was Music Man and in my freshman year of high school. And I just tried it. I just like auditioned and I got the lead as Mary and it was a scandalo. <laughs> Wait, you just, you just randomly, you just randomly were like, I think I can sing I'll audition. Yeah. That's, that's a, wait, you know, what's funny. I'm not to go on a tangent, but I left music man the other night, uh, with my sister. And I said, um, Megan should replace Sutton when Sutton goes on, because I feel like this is a Megan role, but I I just, I'm not your agent. And I just love your voice. And I was like, I could imagine her singing this. Hey, listen, but, Preston, um, I'm there all. for it. I mean, I, I need to grow nine inches if they want a tall girl, but like, I'm here for it. Cause that <laughs> totally. and it, it does. It actually, you know, it's funny you say that because my, um, I went to opening night and I hadn't seen music man or sung music man since my freshman year of high school, which was a minute ago. And I literally sat there and I was like, wow, I remember this whole show. This is wild. Like, because it was, it was so significant in my life. Like I, well, like I sang and like, I went to church back in the day and like I sang and everything, but nothing. Yeah. So I tried out for the music band, not really thinking anything of it, got the lead. And I was like, Oh, I like this. This is fun to like pretend to be someone else. And, and, but even then, like I was your like all around, like, I'm going to be the perfect student in high school. So like, I, I always did, we did like one musical year and I was always the lead and God, that sounds so awful, but it's the truth. And then, um, no, but it it also is leading (laughs) up to what, what you were going to end up doing with your life. You know what I mean? It's like, if you were the editor of the newspaper and you became the editor of Vogue, it would all track, you know? I I mean, mean, that's, that's that's the thing. Like, I think it kind of was like probably always in the cards, whether or not I really knew it. I mean, I, my senior year, two things happened in high school. Well, three things, three things. And one of them is eerie. One of them is so eerie. I've said it before in, in interviews, but I'll say it here too. It's, it's, it's wild. Like it almost sounds like it's not true, but it's the truth. So it's again, like it was just in the cards. Um, oh, I know. I, I'm building it up. So I'm hoping it's as good as, as I'm making it. Sound. <laughs> um, so my junior year of high school, this is, I'll, I'll lead up to the really fun, queer, like crazy thing. But um, so my, a couple of yep. things happen. One. So I, I, French is my second language and my French class in high school, we went to see an uh, opera. I grew up in Chicago. So we went to see uh, um, Romeo and Juliet by Gounod and Carmen by Bizet at the Chicago Lyric Opera. Now, a funny thing is people are like, oh, like, did you grow up listening to music, theater and opera? No, like, absolutely not. In fact, in my household, it was wow. mostly two very distinct kinds of music. It was like classic rock and then like classical symphonic works. Those were always kind of just going in my household, which is interesting to me because if I were to kind of compare myself to a personality, I'd say it's those two, like rock meets classical. (laughs) So like, it's fascinating. So anyway, so I never grew up like with opera. So anyway, so my junior year, my French class, we go to see the opera and I'm like, holy shit, this is fucking amazing. I was like, this is like this person's on their back singing and like they're singing in French. It's beautiful music. And my entire class is just like asleep thinking it's the most boring thing in the world. And I'm like, this is epic. So for fun, as, as again, a high schooler would, right? Yeah. yeah Cause we're all too cool, which is a shame yeah. because you're missing out. Um, well, not all of us, but I, I was. And so I, um, again, for fun, I started taking classical voice lessons, but with nothing in mind, just being like, 
I think that's amazing. I love languages. Um, I love how it's like basically the Olympics of singing. I just want to give it a go. So for fun, I started taking classical lessons my junior year, end of my junior year of high school. Again, not thinking anything of it. And then my senior year of high school, um, our all-state theater in Illinois was Pirates of Penzance. And that's an operetta. And I had never obviously sung that way or anything, but I auditioned and I got the lead. I got Mabel. So I think that was already the the universe was kind of like, listen, so, okay, now here's the third thing that happened when not in high school, but I was pretty young. I feel like it was like sixth or seventh grade. And this is eerie as hell. So I only saw one music theater show ever my entire life growing up, just one. And it was Les Mis. It's wild. It is wild considering like what I'm doing right now. <laughs> um, yep. But it was Les Mis. <laughs> but no joke. No joke. So when I did Love Never Dies, my conductor, Dale, we like, you know, like a quintessential first conversation when you're having lunch with people is like, oh, what have you seen? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, well, I saw Les Mis, you know, in Chicago. And he was like, huh, that's interesting. Like about when? And I like told him and he was like, huh. And he laughed and I was like, what? And he was like, you're not going to believe this, but I was the conductor of that show. And I was like, what? Stop. Wait, it gets weirder. It gets weirder. So then fast forward two years and I'm now on the world tour of Phantom, the new revival of, of the world tour. And my conductor, Dar, same conversation has happened. He's like, huh, when, when did you see that show? And I was like, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, huh, I was the music director of that show. So two big conductors oh my, in my the life. Universe? I'm telling you. <laughs> that's the, the universe right there. I saw my that's whole the life growing up had two people that I ended up working with. It's so wild because I, even for anyone listening who isn't into theater or isn't into performing, like I, that's what I love about my range of guests that are on here is that there's so much like what what you just got into kind of by accident of like experimenting and following things that made you happy and that were ticking a box for you is really interesting to me. So I think it's really wild that, you know, you kind of found who you were meant to be through exploring things and hobbies and things that made you happy, which I always say to people, just try it. Try, you know, maybe you don't want to start a brand. Maybe you don't want to, you know, be a personality. Maybe you don't want to launch a product. But if there's something that makes you happy, you should try it. Because look what it may lead you to. It may lead you to Andrew Lloyd Webber. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, truly, I I think – be yeah be open-minded soul everything to things you naturally gravitate towards and what whether you say god or the universe whatever things things cart that synchronicity of what's meant for you always comes your way and what's not doesn't but or even if you really want it to or you think you do you know it's 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 really true like it's the, the more you work hard and you're open-minded to things, I really think you're going to find naturally what is you're supposed to do. And it just sort of happens. I love that whole story that it just fell into place for you. By the way, along this journey of the high school and the, and the opera and, you know, this and that, what, what were the, were you working side hustle jobs? What kind, what was like paying bills for you? Like, what was your job that you're like, I'm going to do this. I love this. I always love to know what people did in real life. Oh my God. Okay. So here's the thing. And like, I need like a soapbox moment. So, you know, to all the young people who are aspiring to be, um, especially in our profession, which is so wild, right? It's such a wild profession. Um, You know, a lot of people don't tell you that most of us don't immediately 
make it on stage. Or even if you do, then there's like resting yep. periods in between. Right. And so mm-hmm. first of all, like my family is not very wealthy. We're not poor, but we're not wealthy. So like I put myself through grad school, which was so much money. And also like I lived, I like, supported <laughs> yep. myself in New York. So like, you know, I think this is the thing that a lot of, um, like I have a studio, a voice studio that I impart on my students too, is like, you know, uh, you will do whatever you, if you really want to do this, you will do whatever you yep. need. I mean, within boundaries, um, yep. in order to do yeah. it. And, you know, for instance, like when I was going to grad school, I was working 60 hour weeks on top of going to grad school. I would study my music. I mean, literally I would study my music at like one or two in the morning. I would go to auditions exhausted. I mean, like things like this, I literally, literally, literally had holes in my shoes. So here are some of the jobs that I had. Um, and, but, but I tell you also to anyone listening, as much as I wish of course, that, yeah, mommy and daddy bought me an apartment in New York and like I didn't have to pay for anything myself. I'll tell you, there are some things that are gigantic gifts by having to provide for yourself and being resourceful and it's being resourceful. So I, um, yep. let's see, of course, I was a quintessential. I, I served. I was a server at uh, one of my now favorite places up by school. Um, Pasticci is its name. It's an Italian restaurant. And it was very like bohemian, like very La Boheme. Like, you know, you had like models and and singers and this and that. So I served, (laughs) which everyone should have, it's like being in the army. Everyone should have to be a server at a New York restaurant, at least like for six months in their life, because (laughs) totally (laughs) teaches you the people and the hard knocks and the scary stuff. And like, let me tell you about school of hard knocks. Yeah, that. Um, and then again, some interesting jobs. I was the personal assistant for Renee Fleming, who's a very famous opera singer. And um, that was cool oh because I was able to see behind the scenes how someone at the pinnacle of their career, uh, female, was going. And like, she's one yeah. of the most hard workers I've ever seen. So, and the things that I used to do for her, I do for myself now, which is kind of cool. Um, that also, I was. Yeah, a you were like a assistant. sponge and you didn't even know it. Oh, oh no, I knew it. I literally was like, I want to know the things like even down to like how to pack your clothes for like a week journey. I, I don't know. Like it's crazy. Like all the things. And she was very generous in the sense of letting me sit in on meetings, like when she was planning out her calendar and things like that. And like, it was just really, I really learned a lot of practical and odd things that you wouldn't even think of in our side of the business. Um, so that was another job I had. Um, okay. So here's some weird jobs I've had. <laughs> I was a member yeah. of the Meat Cutters Union um, for six months. Yes, you when were. I, yes, I was. You slice that. You slice that deli meat. Um, you slice that meat, girl. You slice that meat. I hated the job. I thought it was the. I mean, like, oh my god. I worked at Kroger. There was a woman that would like turn off the freezer because it was too cold for her, and I was like, yeah, but like, aren't like the meats and stuff in there? Like, anyway, I mean, not to bash, but. It was a special kind of hell. But that being said, oh, also I worked in medical records at a hospital in like the basement and I would get there at like 530 in the morning and it was just hell. Like the only good thing about it was like when a baby was born, you'd hear do, 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 do. So you'd like wait for it to be like, let the births happen. Um so, oh my God! You have a roster like I have. It was it's like fellow hustlers unite. I was a janitor. I oh weighed pumpkins. I worked you know, like I mean all the random thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. All the random 
things. <laughs> but it's just like, I feel like people like us that do your own thing all gravity. It's kind of that what you said earlier of like, come hell or high water, you're going to figure when I quit my corporate job in 2015, to start my own company and to start my own brand and like make a life on social media. I remember going to the Starbucks on 43rd and 9th, just to make sure I could get a job there as an, even though I was an executive at a company leaving, I was like, just in case, can I work here? And they were like, uh, yeah, we're hiring. I mean, here's an application. Like I was prepared at that moment to get back in to do whatever I needed. And it sounds like you share that mentality, which is like so innate to someone that is just building and doing and growing themselves. So I love that about you. Uh, I love that about you. I'm like pumpkins, what? But like, but also too, to have the courage to leave a cushy, comfortable, in quotes, job to actually go for your passions is a really ballsy, it's a scary thing to do because I generally, I don't know if you feel this way, but especially in the Western culture and society, I don't think that we're really taught that that is something that we should do or can do, um, that it's seen as too risky. Like you should do the the right thing, you know, get the nine to five. Now, and for certain personalities, I think that is a wonderful option. But I think for many of us to risk it all, uh, it's too scary. And part of that is just how we're raised. Like it's irresponsible. When actually, yeah. if you really look at people who are true entrepreneurs, yes, they risk it all, but generally they find success because it is that I will do this mentality. And it's not until you live in like the the trenches of like, this sucks yep. to know if you really want to yep. do it. Like something also that I say to my young, oh, teaching is another thing I did on the side. And something I say a lot to my young students, like, you know, I saw this interview and I'm not going to say who, but like a girl was like, oh, well, I almost gave it up before I made it. And I was like, girl, you just graduated. What do you mean you were going to give it up? Like, I mean, then how much did you really want it? Like you want it, you know, you want it when you're literally like, okay, so all of my money has gone towards this voice lesson this month. I don't know how I'm literally going to eat. Uh, Okay. Then, you know, you want to do it. Like it's not, I remember doing that. I live I shared a, a one-bedroom apartment on 37th and 10th with my roommate in the early 2000s before all those high-rises were built. Um, the only common space we had was the bathroom because she lived in the living room. I lived in the bedroom. And after work, we would come and sit in the bathtub together and like as it was our couch. And we would like catch up and look for pennies to go buy beer. And it was like, we really want this shit. You know what I mean? It's like you got to go through those moments. Um, so fast forward, you went through all these moments You've been known for the past couple of years as being Christine Daae in Venom of the Opera. I witnessed it firsthand. I've seen the show ten like any proper gay. I've seen it ten thousand four hundred eighty-eight <laughs> times, and it, you were the first time that I was like, "Holy shit!" Like I believe that char- now I get that character. Like, oh my god! Like that's like a real woman, a real woman in Christine. Like I believed it so much. You were so good. I think you had just recovered from COVID. It was your last performance. How has it been being known for, you know, you're a personal brand in your own right, but how has it been being known for another role? And what does that look like for your like next step? Right. I could, I don't know what that's like as an actress. Like, how is it? Oh my gosh. It's really complicated actually. Um, But, and also thank you that actually you saying that comment, that, that more than anything else, that means that I succeeded um, because to show that she's real and not just like some delicate little flower that's like, oh, no, but actually well, is like a, a real person that has things. <laughs> 
It was um, like, I went down like, I think a TikTok rabbit hole after that night looking at like people writing about you. And it was like all true. I was like, holy shit. Like it, it felt like edgy and a little scary. And I bet like, and there was a real love affair there. And there was real, I was like, wow. Like I actually believed this for the first time in my whole 40 years of gay life. I, that's the Christine <laughs> that got me. <laughs> but, oh, but, um, you. so, you know, you're no, I really mean it, but coming out of like, what's it like being known at, for a role? And what does that do for someone's career? Well, you know, it's a combo effect on it, honestly. So, cause uh, before young Christine, I was more mature Christine. So I Benjamin buttoned. And so for five years yep. I was Christine <laughs> Gaillet, which is wild. Um, wow. And you know, it's on the one hand, it's really beautiful and it's amazing because when you play a role, and I know that for some women, they've played it far longer, but I, I'm one of those personalities, maybe it's the Scorpio in me, I don't know, but I really like fully will avatar and mix into whatever I'm doing, which can be a little scary sometimes um, because it means I can, I really feel all of the pathos and the joy, but I really feel the darkness and I feel all of it, you know, and something that I really love about Andrew and really Weber is, you know, I remember him telling us like with, with Phantom, you know, this is a rock show first and foremost, that just happens to have classical yeah. elements. And I was like, I couldn't agree with that more. <laughs> Who am I to say, <laughs> but like, I couldn't agree with it more. Cause I was like, <laughs> there's so much, like, there's so much humanity and yes, it is, grand, you know, uh, but it's, it's so dark and so sexual. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just mm -hmm. loved it. Um, but there's, there's a couple things like when you play a character for so long, especially I played the older version and then I went back to play the younger version. I literally, I'm like, oh my gosh, I really know this character now. And then of course you had the pandemic right. thrown in there, which actually as awful as it's been, it added another layer of understanding for me uh, to what her life is. Cause she mm -hmm. also is very isolated and misunderstood or like mm -hmm. not, you know what I mean? Like very just like needing affection mm -hmm. and all like, I feel like those are things that I feel because of the pandemic more than ever. And so, um, and that need to connect that need to feel seen and heard. Yeah. Like I really felt that. And in fact, I had a huge, when Broadway shut down, I had a huge, identity crisis because I'm someone that I fully, bet. yeah. I, I mean, I wonder if this happens with you too. Like you are your brand, but then it gets confusing when your brand has also been living in a world where your character is also the brand and you've now morphed into the character and separating the two is really hard. Like really hard. If you care it's about hard. it, like it's, it's hard. You care. I can only imagine. I mean, what was this? Were you in New York during the, uh, during the shutdown? <sighs> not the whole time, but definitely the beginning, like, you know, like the whole, like when we clap and at first that was like, yes. And then like, you know, by like month two, you're like, ah, we're clapping. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Well, and, and oh also too, like that sense, I mean, with the pandemic, not to go on a full tangent, but you know, I had, I had several people that I, I cared for pass away from COVID. And then also my father oh, uh, unrelated almost died from something else. So that also that sense of loss, um, uh, yep. I think with Christine maybe here's, here's the biggest thing about Christine too. And I I'm happy that you had that response to my portrayal of her because I think a lot of people think of her as a 17, 18 year old girl in terms of today, but I couldn't disagree with that more. It's a 17 year, 18, 18 year old girl from Paris at turn of the century, which already that's like a 30 year old in our times. And then on top of it, 
You have someone 100%. that's been, you know, you have someone that's been orphaned basically and like thrown in a situation that they don't want to be in. Like she doesn't have a parent. She doesn't have anyone to lean on. And I was like, this is a girl that's not really a girl. I mean, she's very naive and she is a girl, but she's so much more mature and beyond her time because of all these awful things that have happened to her. So personally, I don't think a young person really understands. In fact, one of my friends, Julia, who was one of my understudies this last time, she had played Christine on Broadway, I think like five years ago or something like that and came back and she, she and I were talking about it and she said the same thing. She was like, you know, Megan, when I was here at, I think she was like 25 or something like that. Don't quote me. Fake news maybe, but some younger, she was like, I didn't yeah. get it until yeah. I'm older. And now I understand like also what, like that relationship with the Phantom or Raul or Meg. I mean, there's actually very uh, complicated relationships that I just, again, like, let's face it, like I'm 32 but like a 32 year old is like someone that's like, I don't know, 20. I don't know, like comparatively, like yeah. they're not like you're gaining life totally. experience, but like a 20 year old, unless you've had awful stuff happen to you. I just don't know if you really grasp the complexities of her, which I think is why a lot of times the beautiful character and the beautiful part of it comes out, but there's meaty stuff in there that doesn't necessarily like danger and like, like ugly stuff in it there. It felt that- dangerous. You did it. You, I, it, you gave it. I also think you were like chomping at the bit to come back from when you were sick. And I think you, I had never seen you perform before. So I'm sure this is your all the time, but you were so guns blazing. I was just like, <laughs> I don't even know her. And I'm like, yes. This girl. <laughs> well, this if you saw amazing. me that last day, that's wild because I, I wasn't contagious, but I had full blown COVID. That I did. Day. I saw you. I, I think I saw you your last your last ever performance. I think. Oh my god! What a crazy day that was. Literally, yeah, I had full blown COVID still, like not contagious, but I like they literally had like Pedialyte and chairs for me on the side because I couldn't breathe. I was swollen from the steroids. I had like like um, an inhaler I'd have to take every time I like climbed the ladder. It was it was sheer like wow. I will finish my contract. <laughs> I will do this. Well, um, but well, sorry, I, I got the off. finish line with grace. Well, I don't know about grace, but we did it. I'm sorry, but I got, I got off a little bit, but, but so I can tell you this though. So um, even right now, like after, and like such an, for me too, because I was out with COVID for three weeks, it really like yeah. put such a terrible, like I, I, again, I was just pure sheer. Like I will finish this five year chapter that I've had this beautiful unexpected chapter and it is weird like I a lot of people are like how could you leave phantom and I was like I love my family ph family I love christine but also you know you uh you have to pass the crown um I mean you don't have to yeah but I know that my personality it's very mutual that you know like how could I top what I did? Like, I was like, unexpectedly, I reopened Broadway. <laughs> like, so yeah. truly, I, um, there wasn't too much more, I don't think that I could bring to her. Uh, you know, it was, and like, I love, I love and miss everyone so dearly at Phantom, especially the bond that we had with the pandemic. I mean, I think that's a bond we'll have the rest of yeah. our lives. And, and what we did so historically coming back and representing something so much bigger than Phantom coming back, but Broadway coming back, the world coming back, it was that epic. And so, so a long, very long windedly short, um, yeah, it's, it's a hard transition after you've, I can only imagine like, like if you're on friends for like 20 years and you're Rachel and then all of a sudden you're not like, like, huh? right. 
So it's kind of like a crazy. Well, that's how I compare it. Or like, you know, Sarah Jessica and yes. Carrie. It's like you, she does a million other things, but you always think of her as that role. Are you actively planning your next chapter? What happens after someone leaves Broadway? Do they take a minute and take a beat and kind of like recoup their mental and physical strength? Or are you just like, what's next? Well, my personality is always what's next, which my teacher and I have really been working yeah. on. <laughs> like, like Matt, Matt Farnsworth is my teacher. And <laughs> yes. He's just amazing. But I'm always the type. And I think it is that like entrepreneurial and also like, you know what it's like, like when you're in survival mode, you're like, what's next? What's next? And that's a habit that's so instilled totally. in me that it isn't always like it doesn't always serve a purpose now because I'm at a different chapter in my life. But it's always what's next for me because I I'm constantly evolving and growing. And so for me, well, here's the other. So the other weird thing about this is COVID thrown in the mix. Like I was always going to be leaving Phantom. In fact, I had planned to leave Phantom before. Well, it would have been during the pandemic, but then the pandemic hit and Mm -hmm. I had something rather large lined up as well for 2021, but that dissolved because of the pandemic. And then I came back to complete my contract at Phantom. And so it's interesting because at this moment, I'm not really choosing to be like, I'm going to just chill. Absolutely not. I had two years where I was going out of my mind because I don't like to not work. Like I, I like, like, I was just chilling for a while. I'm I'm good. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But it's interesting because in this, time because of COVID in both the Broadway world and also the opera world, it's very difficult in the sense of you have, so in the opera world, you have, they plan very far ahead. Like you're looking at five years out sometimes, but the problem with COVID is you just had a bunch of seasons canceled that like now they're, some of them are trying to come back from three years ago. And like, it's just like, so it's, And then, of course, you have Broadway shows that have been cast already. Um, It's just like things like that. So or things that I can't talk about yet that I've booked because they might not. I mean, you just it's like totally living the law of detachment right now. It's so (laughs) up in the air. You like you must it must be crazy because you don't really know. It's like the one uncertain, you know, remember during Christmas time, it was like you don't buy tickets to a show because it'll probably get canceled because of this. And because, you know, it was so all up in the air. I mean, if if I know anything, having just met you and knowing you're feeling your personality that like what you do next is going to be iconic. I can't wait. Well, I mean, to be honest, that's the thing, too. You know, it's funny. I don't know how this is going to come across, but I'll say it. But sometimes I I wish that I could settle for average or settle for like middle ground, but nothing about that is my personality. And I will not be like, for instance, like Phantom was such a beautiful an incredible journey into me crossing over because like, of course, do I cross over yep. in a small way? No, I will be the leading lady of Phantom. <laughs> I mean, like, it's right. wild. But, exactly. but again, it was, it just like happened. Like, you know, Hal Prince, Andrew Lloyd Webber. I mean, like it was just so meant to be. So the next big thing is another so meant to be. But in the meantime, I mean, I have done things and I am doing things. And like I said, there's things I can't talk about, but who knows if they're actually going to happen. Um, you know, it's, it's that impatience <laughs> of like, I need it right yeah. now. Because also when you are a part of such an iconic cornerstone of theater, um, you know, you draw some of your self-worth from being that. And I think trying to separate yourself and still being like, wait, Megan is also important, not just Megan Christine. (laughs) 
And that that's a difficult psychological transition. I mean, I remember my agents, because also, let's face it, like the last six years of my life, I lived some crazy, weird rocket ship of a fantasy that doesn't really happen a lot for people where I like, I went from show to show to show to show. I never stopped. And like, I didn't audition right. for Broadway. I auditioned for Love Never Dies. Well, I listened for Candide, which turned into Love Never Dies, which turned into the World Tour, which turned into Broadway, which turned into me opening Broadway because it wow. So like, I didn't stop, which means I was spoiled. So my agents like sat me down. They're like, now, Megan, we just want to let you know that's not normal. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, it's accomplished like, now. So what, what, are you, what are you getting me next? I know. I was like, so we that's can't sign so- that out again? Like, we can't do that because that was great. Like, <laughs> But, I mean, um, I, it all goes back to the beginning of our conversation, which is the universe or whatever it is working the way that it's going to work its way yeah. and it sets you up right. And you kind of, I think a lot of this is that you surrender to being like, yep, that's for me. Yes, I'll go to that lunch. Yes, I'll audition for you. Yes, I'll do this. And you kind of have that intuition. It sounds like that you know the right way the water's flowing and which way to paddle because it's, yeah, it's, you paddle the right way. Well, I think that's the thing is like really follow your gut, no matter how crazy it can seem, because especially as a crossover artist, that's also TV films and like voiceover are on the table. Like they're all I think when it comes to like a brand, especially as an artist, which I know a lot of artists don't really like to say like they're a brand, but I very strongly much. Everyone's a brand. Everyone's a brand, especially especially now, especially now especially now, TikTok, Instagram, like you are a brand. So I think the quote difficult thing is, particularly for me, who, yes, my voice is a coloratura soprano, but inside I'm like a kick-ass rocker. So like, how do you, you have to really show people that just because my voice is this can be sweet and delicate, it doesn't mean that I can't be that. I can, but like, for instance, like- You know, uh, they a lot of people like to put people in boxes. So for me to say, well, I'm actually more of a pentagon instead of a box. Um, you really have to yeah. show people that, and that also means that you need. I don't know why I picked pentagon. Like, is that the witch in me? Like pentagon? I don't know. Um, but like, you really have. <laughs> I love it. I don't know, but like, you really have. To, it means also too that your path, and yes, everyone's path is different, but it especially means at least, and I maybe you can relate to this, is that you have to carve out your own path which is so much more exhausting, I think. And like, sometimes you're just like, why? Like, why can't I just do the traditional? Oh, yeah. Like, And like, but you have to prove to people that, hey, my brand, even though I'm five foot two on a tall day, yes, I can be a badass on that stage. Yes, I know I can look like this. And yes, I'm in my 30s, but that doesn't mean that I can't play this. Like, so really like breaking the boundaries of things and and you have to prove yourself that this is okay. That in fact, not only is it okay, yep. but maybe it's something wonderfully different. And that goes for both ways. Like me crossing back over into the opera world, they hear, oh, you're a Broadway person. Can you sing? Of course I can sing. Like, <laughs> and so, sing. so it's just that, like it's literally spoon feeding people like I am this particular kind of stardust and yep. it's maybe something that's different and and owning it and and then from that like being true to the seed of what I am and then just kind of expanding like I literally I love strong female characters 
even if like, for instance, Christine, a lot of times wasn't played as strong. Well, why not? You know, or yep. Glinda or or some of the opera roles. Why not? You know, um, so as long as you have the right team of people to take the chance on you too to do that. But and in the meantime, you know, one of the parts of my brand that I love is using my I mean, look, my platform is not massive yet, but it's it's something. And I I really think that my job and our job, when we can influence people, you can do it for good. And I really try to bring as much strength and inspiration, particularly to young female identifying people. Um, and because I yep. just think like, we really need that more than ever, especially what's happening in the United States. I don't even want to get into it. But um, I think that, you know, people are listening, people are watching. And I think it's really important that as a female that was just in phantom and what I'm doing next, you know, I want to show like, Hey, if you're not wealthy, you can do this guys. Hey, if you're five foot two, you can still do it. Like if you, well, um, and it all starts with community. I mean, you responded right to my DM and you had no idea who the hell I was. So (laughs) you're doing a really good, really good job of it. And it's, I, by the way, I just took a whole page of notes of what you are writing. I think, um, and what you were saying I think everything you're saying, it's so funny because a lot of the people listening may not be on Broadway, may not live in New York. And there's so many great nuggets that you just have graced me with in this last oh. 30 minutes. I like, um, I can, I, we need to go to like a proper lunch so we can continue this. No, I already for, like, thought that I was hours. like, well, clearly we need to meet up because, you know, have an April. Oh, no, we're meeting up. Well, when you we're come back up. from your, when you come back from your Southern trip or wherever you that's, are down there, then we'll have a proper. <laughs> New York lunch. By the way, since we are running out of time, I, and I'm so sad about it, how can everybody find you on the socials and see more of your bright light online? How can everyone find you? Um, so it's really easy. It's just my name at Megan Paterno, and um, it's Instagram. I haven't, I haven't delved into the world of TikTok. You'll have to hold my hand. I'm, I'm, I'm okay, on well, it. At our lunch. I haven't done anything yet. <laughs> At our lunch, we're going to hammer out a TikTok strategy for you because with your personality and your voice, I mean, you would be like a no brainer. Hello. I know. I'm scared. I'm scared. But like, it'll happen. But yeah, Instagram is the best way to I've been find dabbling me. in it. I mean, you're great at it though. And then like- um, hopefully, oh, thanks. But hopefully we can see you on a stage soon too. So Instagram for now, everybody. And then we're going to plot and watch all of Megan's next steps and see where she shows up oh, in the yeah. meantime. I'll there's get to see there's a lunch. bunch in the future. You'll see it. So... <laughs> Amazing. Megan, thank you so much for doing this. It means the world and I'm still fangirling. Oh, same. Thanks, Preston. Thank you. For more on the show, you can find us on Instagram at brandmepodcast or at Preston Conrad. Be sure, of course, to rate, review and subscribe and share on social. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you next week.